Good morning. Welcome to another episode of uh, CCT Live, the Cape Cod Times Live Facebook news broadcast coming to you every Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm news editor Patrick Cassidy. I'm joined today by reporter Christine Legere. Welcome, Christine, to another uh, appearance you've been on before. Um, Christine covers the town of Falmouth, Joint Base Cape Cod, Marijuana. I almost forgot an important one. Pilgrim Nuclear Power Station as well uh, for the paper, as well as pretty much anything else we throw at you, much like most of our reporters. Um, Today, we're going to talk about a story you have in today's paper uh, about a program to house people during the winter who would otherwise be homeless. A couple stories, really. Uh, We'll also talk about a sighting of a rare North Atlantic right whale calf. Uh, which is good news as far as researchers and uh, scientists are concerned. Uh, the latest about some al- uh, the allegation against Kevin Spacey after Kevin Spacey on Nantucket, and an update about a Dennis Port teen who was badly injured in a crash in Jamaica. Some some good news there uh, in terms of the update, not not the injury, obviously. We'll also take a look ahead at a story coming up uh, about the Buzzards Bay Park. Um, which has had its share of problems since opening earlier this year. And you can take a look back at past episodes and follow along at home by going to our website, capecuttimes.com, or following us on any of our social media. Um, I'll jump right in here with this story about the uh, right whale calf. Um, have you ever been whale watching off of Cape Cod, Christine? I have not. It, it's pretty amazing. I've only been, I think, once or twice. Obviously, people come here and go out all the time. Well, one of the whales that you can see off Cape Cod in Cape Cod Bay is the North Atlantic right whale, which is pretty amazing considering there. Are, I think there are scientists who study this whale who have never seen it live in person because it's so rare. Um, latest estimates put it at about 400, 411, I think, was the, the model that they came up with for the number of these whales. So they're critically endangered. So uh, last week, Friday, when they uh, were able to spot a calf of a North Atlantic right whale off the coast of Florida. Scientists and researchers were incredibly excited, and and this was big news uh, for a number of reasons, obviously because the population is so low, um, but also because last year was a particularly difficult year. They had 17 documented deaths, and when you talk about a population that low, it's a big deal when there are that many deaths, and no documented births. So that combination really concerned them combined with the trend that had the population declining since 2010. Um, so again, scientists were very happy to hear this, and, and uh, they said that, that, however, they need a lot more of those types of births. Uh, there are about five or six females that they say are still in southern waters that have been spotted down there. Uh, and if they're down there now, it kind of means that they're, they're possibly uh, ready to give birth or have given birth. Um, but this was spotted by a, um, a uh, ship or off a ship that was dredging where they had a, an observer whose kind of job it is to keep a, an eye out for these types of animals so that they don't essentially run into them. Um, and uh, he had spotted it. Interesting enough, that was like his last uh, trip after 15 years on the job. And it was only his second right whale sighting in, the, in that time. So that, that guy was pretty excited about it just to be able to see it uh, as kind of the last hurrah for him. In any case, scientists are still worried about this uh, population, obviously, uh, entanglements, ship strikes. There's a there's a, a number of lawsuits connected to uh, trying to protect these animals and certainly here around the Cape where uh, they come to feed in the um, uh, spring during the winter. They come up here as well as they're passing up towards Canada. Uh, folks have an affinity for these animals. So uh, we'll see how the rest of the birthing season goes for the right whales. Um, uh, and uh, I'm sure scientists are hoping it will be a productive uh, year for them. Um, in other news, court news, uh, Christine, there has been an, uh, an update on the Kevin Spacey case. What, what, what's going on there? Well, it only took a couple of hours for an Nantucket District Court judge on Monday to deny a request from Kevin Spacey to skip the arraignment on a charge of sexual assault. Um, 
and the arrangement the arraignment is set for Monday this coming Monday uh, his reasoning was that there was a risk of contamination of the pool of juries uh, jurors because he is so well known Spacey said he believed his presence would amplify the negative publicity already generated in connection with that case he faces charges of indecent assault and battery on a person 14 or over for allegedly groping an 18-year-old busboy at an Nantucket restaurant back in 2016. Um, and this case has been a big deal since it was first announced. It was back in uh, November of last year, I believe, that the uh, the, the busboy's mother, who happens to be Heather Onrue, who's a, a former, uh, I think, Channel 5 uh, anchor, news anchor, uh, came forward, had a press conference with uh, Michael Garabedian, who's well-known in, in the circles of civil uh, sexual abuse cases, including um, civil cases against uh, the Catholic Church. Um, and they came forward and had a press conference announcing uh, that the allegation essentially, uh, Anru at the time said that a, a, a police report had been filed. They had gone to the police. And then uh, uh, last month, I believe, about a year later, a little over a year later, uh, the Cape Islands District Attorney's Office, uh, you know, had filed these charges and, and uh, where the charges were filed and, and the prosecution began of this case. It's the first case against Kevin Spacey. Uh, that's gone to court, uh, you know, criminal in a criminal way. But he has been accused by a number of um, many young men, in particular, uh, of sexual assault um, over the years. And and there was some interesting things that happened after the allegation, after the um, charge was announced last last month, where he like pretty quickly after that news broke posted this kind of strange YouTube video in the persona of Frank Underwood, who was his character on uh, the Netflix, very popular Netflix series, um, House of Cards. He's no longer on that series. He, he hasn't done very much since or been in public very much since the allegations came out a year ago. But this video popped up, uh, you know, a year after his last posting, I think, on Twitter, it popped up and he kind of did this weird sort of, uh, 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 I guess, act, if you will, in, in the Frank Underwood uh uh, persona. But on Monday, it's not going to be an act. He's got to go to court and he's got to appear before a judge. Uh, you can have your appearance waived um, and you can request to have your appearance waived. And obviously he wanted to do this. A lot of uh, publicity surrounding this case. Uh, you know, the, the ferries are filling up with people going over to, to be there from the media in particular. Um, and it's been, you know, tracked on some of the, you know, TMZ and, and the Daily Mail and all these types of uh, larger international uh, websites and, and organizations have been tracking it. Locally, obviously, we have an interest. It's Nantucket. It's the Cape and Islands. Um, and we'll be there and uh, tracking what happens uh, uh, with the arraignment. These things are usually pretty pro forma. I mean, they're you know, not guilty. You know, some conditions may apply in a, a charge like this. Uh, I think it's unlikely and, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but unlikely that he'd be held. Um, uh, but uh, certainly it is the start of this process, this legal process. Um, and there is, uh, you know, some evidence in terms of witnesses. There's a video, but it's a very short video, apparently, that the uh, busboy took uh, uh, allegedly of the incident or part of the incident. I think it was under a second, which is hard to believe that there's much that you can see there in any case. Um, uh, but there's more in uh, the story uh, in this week's paper, a couple of stories in this week's paper, and we'll certainly be there Monday and have a story in Tuesday's paper or up online on Monday as soon as uh, we have information from that arraignment. So check back for that. Um, moving on here, we... Uh, 
had a, uh, um, again, bad news, good news story. Certainly uh, uh, last month, uh, Joel Ricketts, he's 19 of Dennisport, uh, was in a crash in his home country. He had, he had em- immigrated from Jamaica to uh, Cape Cod um, uh, back in 2015 with, I think, his, uh, his sister and brother, maybe. And uh, he had attended uh, Cape Cod uh, Regional uh, Technical High School. Um, and uh, is it was living in Dennisport, but was back home in Jamaica visiting uh, his extended family when he was in a crash, in a very serious crash. I think one person died in the crash, um, at least, and Ricketts was badly injured. Um, and he was taken to Kingston Hosp- uh, Public Hospital in Jamaica, um, but his mother said he wasn't really receiving good care, and in fact, his, his belongings had been stolen from him while he was in the hospital. So you can imagine uh, the concern about the care when they can't even kind of keep track of your wallet and other things. Um, but he was he was severely injured in a coma uh, uh, at least, and and they were trying to get him home, and so they they went to GoFundMe, which is you know a very uh, uh, popular way to try and raise money for different things. You know, you always wonder whether it's something that's worth it or not. This family, this uh, incident seemed to be one of those things that uh, struck a chord, and people quickly uh, started donating, and uh, they needed about. I think $27,000 kind of minimum to get the uh, flight more or less for him back, the the med flight, if you will, but kind of internationally speaking, uh, back from Jamaica. And they were able to do that very quickly. They then ran into another hurdle where they, they wouldn't be able to get the money from GoFundMe for about five days. So a private donor stepped in and said, I, I know it really is. Somebody uh, stepped in and said, I'll take care of that. Just pay me back after you get the money uh, from GoFundMe. So they've got him back at this point to um, Massachusetts General Hospital. He arrived Wednesday night. Um, and doctors were able to bring his fever down. His brain injuries are doing better, according to his mother. And they really do, even even hearing from them, and, and they were talking to our reporter, Beth uh, Trefeisen, uh, about this, and it sounded like there was a lot more hope uh, in terms of, of his prognosis going forward. Um, they still have plenty of bills, and they I think they were trying to raise up to $40,000, and they said any additional money above the 27000 will go to his medical bills. Um, but they were pretty... Uh, I'm excited just to have him back in the United States, have him back under better care. Obviously, Boston, you can't get uh, much better medical care than in the Boston area. So so everybody will be uh, following along and making sure um, that his progress continues. He was somebody who was looking forward to enrolling at Cape Cod Community College. So he was really somebody who uh, was kind of a young person on the Cape who was kind of starting their life. And, and again, hopefully he'll get back here and get to enroll and, and go from there. We'll, we'll keep watching. Christine, you had a couple of uh, stories in today's paper, you know, some hope here as well for some people. What, what were these about and what, what did you report on? Well, the broader story was about an organization called Belonging to Each Other, mm-hmm. and it's a coalition of uh, nine churches in Falmouth, along with about 100 volunteers. And uh, their long-term mission is to find permanent housing for people who are currently on the streets or about to be on the streets. And the short-term goal is to just get them warm for the winter so that they're not out on the streets or in tents or in cars where um, they're in danger Mm -hmm. of dying. So uh, the program had started in 2015 where they rented um, hotel rooms for these people, but that was not only expensive, it was um, inconvenient. No cooking could be done. They had to have volunteers running the food into them. And, um, you know, the facilities aren't that great. So luckily, uh, they now lease two homes. One, I think, is in its third year, the other in the second. 
And this allows them to house eight men in one and four women in the other. And these are homes that are owned by somebody who's away for the yes. winter and has agreed to allow this to take place in their home, which is really uh, a nice thing for them to do, obviously. It is. It's it's amazing. And the uh, president of Belong to Each Other, Paul McAdam, uh, pointed out that um, so many houses on the Cape are vacant all winter, and he would really like to see more people uh, doing this kind of arrangement. He said uh, that they return the houses in better shape than they got them in in the first place, yeah. as shown by the fact that these homeowners are continuing Repeatedly to lease do it. Yep. year after year. And again, the the goal of the program of short term, as you said, is is housing through the winter. Difficult months to be homeless, obviously, cold weather. Um, you know, I think the homeless advocates will, will say that a lot of the deaths that occur will, will come during these harder months. Um, but, but that longer term goal, you could see this expanding in, in if you were able to get more people into housing during the winter for a couple months, it gives them some stability, allows them to look at other things like looking for jobs and, and getting right. whether they need substance abuse, mental health counseling, anything like that. Um, it gives them kind of a basis for starting to look at those other aspects of their life beyond just having a roof over their heads. Exactly. That's it. When they're on the streets, they're uh, mentally stressed, physically stressed, and their biggest goal is just to find some place that's at least a little warm for them, maybe some food to eat. But when they're in these locations, they can they can actually then... Um, assess where they are. They've got three caseworkers willing to guide them through paperwork, which is sometimes too difficult for yeah. them to deal with. They've got three computers at the house that I happen to interview mm -hmm. the housemate at, and uh, so that they can communicate with other people and organizations. And yeah. they do. They they feel like um, their lives are settling a little bit and giving them chance to. Um, look at long-range goals that they haven't been able to for years. And 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 again, you spoke to one of these men in in this case, uh, uh, Carlos Cordova. Tell us a little bit about him and kind of where he came from, if uh, if you can. Carlos Cordova was um, when he was a youngster lived in Taunton. He was born in North Carolina, but his birth family uh, was pretty unstable, so he spent most of his time in foster care. Foster care. Yeah, in his 20s, he got into some trouble with drugs, and he even did a little stint in prison because of these, an assault and battery, just being belligerent. Uh, but he's been um, clear of that for about 10 to 12 years now, he said. Uh, the problem was he had an, an accident 10 years ago where he sustained a severe head injury. Mm -hmm. And it developed into, in recent years, uh, having seizures. And he actually had a stroke just a few weeks before he was going into the sheltering program. So, I mean, he's only 39 years old. These are serious health issues. And they prevented him from looking for a job or sustaining a job, you know, when you don't even know when these seizures are going to occur. So the one good thing that the caseworkers are doing with him is uh, they've gotten him some neurological um, testing coming up. He's going to be wearing this helmet so they can see what's going on in his brain activity. So he's he's very hopeful about that yep. and um, very thankful that he found this situation, which which was actually through a friend who was in the program. Was also in the program. That that trajectory is so interesting too. Looking at his life again, starting off in a unstable household, foster care, um, you know, drugs, some you know. Uh, 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 
time in prison, you can see that trajectory kind of build on itself over time and finding something somewhere along the way and, and a, an accident with a brain injury. I mean, all those things you can, I, you can imagine how difficult it is uh, to just kind of do kind of the daily things that you need to do to get a job, hold down a job. Um, and, you know, just figuring out a way to break that trajectory or break that cycle, if you will. It seems like this program, that's the goal is they, they're mm-hmm. kind of come in, you get this housing. Um, you, we had some photos in today's paper uh, of uh, Mr. Cordova in the housing. It looks like a really nice uh, spot to live. And, and uh, they share rooms. It's a couple, couple people to a room in yeah, the men's they case. Bunk, uh, bunk in two each in these rooms. Oh. And it was interesting to watch the dynamic while I was there interviewing him. Uh, the guy who does the cooking, he didn't want to be identified yeah. in any way, but he was kind of in the kitchen, you know, making some oysters on the half shell. And there you were go. coming in and out and eating it. And Chad was kind of wandering around in the background. He's yep. young. He's uh, early 20s. And this was the friend of That's uh, his Mr. buddy that got him yeah. into the program. Yep. They had been in the recovery program yep. together. Yep. And Chad is already working at the stop and shop that now Carlos hopes he's going to be working in as well. Well, and again, that sense of kind of community, it, the group is called Belonging to Each Other um, in Falmouth. Um, and, and again, Hyannis in a lot of ways is looked at as the place where there's a lot of people who are homeless. There's a lot of social services. There's a lot of the issues um, that come with, uh, you know, having a homeless population. Um, you know, Falmouth, uh, the people who started this group say some people don't think of Falmouth as a place where they're homeless, but that's because they're hidden. They're staying in their cars. They're, you know, yeah. in the woods. Um, I mean, there are other places on the Cape, you know, similarly, I think even Provincetown has been talked about. Nobody thinks about Provincetown as a place where there's homeless, but there's, there's, it's kind of wherever you go. It's just a matter of, again, is there some, some sort of uh, situation or group or organization that can kind of take the reins and try and figure out some solutions? It seems like this group is trying to do that in Falmouth in any case. Yes. And they're promoting, they're hoping that other towns will pick up this model, um, Alan Burt, who is a um, social worker with the program, said that, uh, you know, if each of the 15 towns in the county did this, you know, just took 10, that would be 150 people who could be taken off the streets. Burt, a longtime advocate for the homeless and and has taken part in a lot of the programs just recently. There were the uh, uh, National Night Out where people camp out in tents. And he said that actual experience of camping out in a tent overnight uh, to him was one of the reasons he thought of, about yeah. doing this sort of thing. So, and he's done other things like it. So there's a lot more in your stories in today's paper. And again, I suggest everybody pick it up uh, either on the newsstands or, or check out capecuttimes.com for more information about that. Um, thank you, Christine. That, that's a really interesting couple, couple of stories. Um, uh, just looking ahead real quick, we have a story coming about uh, the Buzzards Bay Park. Um, and that's a, a park in, in Buzzard Bay, obviously, that's had a, a, its share of problems since opening earlier this year. It was kind of had this water slide, this water component. Um, there was a young girl who hurt herself uh, pretty badly, almost amputated, a, 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 I think, a finger or something when she was going down one of the slides. That was the first incident. And then they had questions about water use there. And then they found out that it wasn't actually compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. They've now found somebody who was going to basically manage the park. We'll have more on that in an upcoming story, uh, which you can take a look at, again, on capecodtimes.com and in the paper uh, in the next couple of days. Um, Thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends, share them, feel free to reach out with any story tips or ideas. Uh, Christine's always looking for good stories. So you can get in touch with her uh, via our website. All our emails are on uh, capecodtimes.com where where news starts on Cape Cod. Thank you very much, Christine. Appreciate you being here. Um, Until next week, have a good morning and good luck.